Hello and welcome to this series of short videos produced with our friends at Timeline, which are designed to answer some of the questions we've been asked by Paraplanners about investing. You can find links to the other videos in the description below this video. And if you've got any questions on the topics covered, please get in touch via email or the Big Tent and we'll get an answer for you. I'm really pleased that Timeline is supporting the assembly this year and that we're joined by Laurentius to cover these topics. Laurentius, for those who don't know you, please introduce yourself. Hi, Richard. It's nice to be to be back here. Um, actually, I think my introduction, especially for this one, is is, is quite important because I'm a timeline. I'm an investment strategist, so I'm more on the investment side of things, looking at portfolios, looking at investment strategy, etc. And today we're obviously talking about sequencing risk, um, bound cost averaging, bound cost ravaging, etc., which is more financial planning based, but. Um, the interesting part is when I started out in my career, I was actually a financial planner back in South Africa. And why I'm so interested in having this conversation with you is because the more and more that I'm looking into this whole sequencing risk, safe withdrawal rates as you as, as clients go into, into retirements, the more I'm realizing how, how big part of the industry are actually misinterpreting how we should do withdrawals in retirement. And it's basically not a... a, a, a a, a hit on financial planners, but actually just the whole industry. If you do your certified financial planning course or even your CFA or whatever, they will always show you to tell you how to do, how to make assumptions. And turns out most of that are actually wrong. And I only discovered that when I started to work at Timeline, which Abram has founded with the idea or with the goal of solving decumulation. So that's actually quite interesting. And that's why I'm here today. Brilliant. It's great to have you along again. So, yes, yeah, so far we've talked about modern portfolio theory, asset allocation and diversity in real estate. And so we're getting into the, the more kind of financial planning stuff now. So we are talking today about sequencing risk. And Laurentius has prepared some slides for us. So I'm going to bring those up uh, onto the screen now. Um, and we are going to, well, I'll start at the beginning, not the end. That might help, might live. There we go. So today we're going to talk about sequencing risk, pound cost averaging and pound cost ravaging. So let's start off. What is it? What's sequencing risk? So sequencing risk is an interesting thing. I think my idea, in any case, of sequencing risk, again, was completely wrong. I always thought sequencing risk is your risk of entering a large amount of money at one time in the market and then all of a sudden experiencing a um, massive correction or a recession or just go into a prolonged bear market. That was my idea of sequencing risk, and I always thought maybe that's a good a good idea for people to get into the market more slowly and over time. But turns out, if you are really concerned about a withdrawal strategy or decumulation in retirement, sequencing risk is not a once-off correction or even heightened volatility. Sequencing risk is basically just the risk of prolonged underperformance and i'm not talking about a bear market i'm just talking about suboptimal performance during the first phase of your retirement when you are withdrawing an income so basically the risk of your withdrawals um, hurting your capital because you are not getting any capital growth yeah so it's poor timing really or unfortunate timing i think would be a better phrase for that one yeah it is and people often think so if you uh, as a financial planner i believe most will also have the feeling that people are more concerned about returns most of the time. And it's only when they look back then they when they are discovering, well, the returns wasn't actually that bad. And it's only when you look at the numbers, you're like, oh, 
I've had an 8% or 10% return over the last couple of years. Um, so people tend to be quite pessimistic about the current situation and about the near, about the near future. So that's really sequencing risk. That's what, what, what's making people panic quite a lot. Yeah. And you've brought this to life with an example. We have two sisters, haven't you? Yeah. So the, the example of a tale of two sisters, actually, it, it comes straight out of um, Abram, our CEO, has published a book called Beyond the 4% Rule. And this is an example from the book where he was trying to explain what is sequencing risk. Sequencing risk is not one plan underperforming another plan. So you've got two examples here. He called them Mrs. Um, Unlucky and Mrs. Lucky. Basically, what he has done is he looked at Mrs. Unlucky has, has started a 30-year retirement journey in 1906, and Mrs. Lucky has started her retirement journey in 1924. And the interesting thing here is both 30-year periods basically had the exact same nominal return of 5.7%. The volatility figures were basically the same. The real return were very much the same. Mrs. Unlucky had slightly higher um, inflation, that's why oh, slightly lower inflation, that's why her real return is actually a bit higher. Mrs. Lucky's real return is actually a bit lower. But the big difference is if you look at the time periods when the return was realized. Mrs. Unlucky, her first decade had, a, had a annualized returns of negative 3.28%. You can think 1906, um, just the, the time, the build up towards World War One. It just wasn't a very great 30-year period after World War One. just entered into the Great Depression, etc. With Mrs. Lucky, uh, towards the end of World War One, coming out of World War One, moving into a more stable period. I'll never call the period between World War One and World War II uh, stable, but more stable relative to what Mrs. Unlucky have experienced. And why both of them only had a annualized return of 5.72 or 5.7% to horrible periods to compare, but they are, those are two similar periods. And Mrs. Lucky, she saw a return at the beginning, just after World War One. Mrs. Unlucky saw a return at the end of the period. And the results is actually quite astonishing. It does make a huge difference on your, on your um, longevity of your retirement portfolio. So if we move to the next slide, you can actually see that Mrs. Unlucky, which we have started in 1906, her 100,000 portfolio have ran out in 30 years, completely depleted. Mrs. Lucky, same return, actually a lower real return. Her portfolio never ran out over a 30-year period. After 30 years, she's actually she has actually grown her capital base. And this is basically sequencing risk. Sequencing risk, having poor performance at the beginning and allowing your withdrawals to sort of deplete your capital base and that will have an impact on the return going forward. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant um, summary and we'll touch on safe withdrawal rates as one thing you can do to kind of combat this in another video. But there's a couple of phrases we hear quite a lot that come up uh, when we talk about this. The first one of which is what is pound cost averaging and is it a good thing or not? Yeah, so pound cost averaging again from a investment background um, and I think I have to admit here that I'm more of an investment professional professional than a financial planning professional so from an investment background pound cost averaging well the definition is basically to make regular withdrawals um, or regular contributions over a period of time to sort of smooth out the effect of extreme events not to buy in at the extreme high or a um, sell out at an extreme low 
And the, the question always is, is the good thing? So, so from a financial planning point of view, I think it can be a good thing. Um, take, for example, how you um, plan for retirement. It's always a good thing if the markets are down, not to panic because you are actually buying the same company whose profits are still the same. They are still making the same income. The share price have just came down. It's based on paper. The prices came down and now you are actually buying more of this company with your regular contributions. But then again, from an investment point of view, um, it's not necessarily a good thing because let's say you've got your a extremely concentrated stock picker and you only have 10 stocks in your portfolio. Pound cost averaging can also be a psychological thing. Someone will see two of their shares have dropped down to, let's say, a 50% drop in their shares or even an 80% drop in their shares. And what they would tend to do is they would tend to engage in this thing called pound cost averaging to make their losses not seem as bad. And the way you do that is you bring your average price for which you have purchased that specific asset, you bring your average price down and then your losses doesn't look that bad. And you still have the hope that if, I've, if I'm bringing my average cost down and the stock actually recovers, it's a good thing. And that's true. It is a good thing. Unfortunately, if you are a concentrated investor, there are certain stocks that are going down for a reason and they are not coming back up. And in that case, case pound cost averaging can be extremely dangerous. Mm. I think putting it very simply, pound cost averaging works for you if prices go down. Um, you need a fall, don't you, for it to work. Whereas if, if prices go up steadily from, from today, it doesn't work for you because you're paying more in the future for what you could have bought today. Exactly, exactly. So people would always think it's, it's the ideal scenario to have all your capital in at once. Not necessarily. If you are in a down market, in a bear market, and there's a downside momentum and you can actually invest during time, then bound cost averaging would definitely work for you. But as you said, if the markets are going up, which in most cases it does, if you then are phasing in over time or buying in over time, it's going to work against you. But there's some sense of risk diversification that you have to take into account as well. So pound cost averaging is when you're saving and pound cost ravaging is what happens at the other end, isn't it? When you actually started to, to spend your money. Yeah, so pound cost ravaging, it's, it's basically, it's very similar to, to, to sequencing risk. It's basically the the risk of having below average returns during the first phase of your retirement. And it's not, it's not necessarily the risk of the below average returns. If you don't take any withdrawals, sequencing risk is not something to be too concerned about. But it's this thing called pound cost ravaging. You are ravaging your own capital base. You are withdrawing from your capital base and allowing less capital to recover. And that's basically pound cost ravaging. And the idea behind that is sort of that to, 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 to make people aware of the fact that you need to be sort of flexible around how much money you can take. And this we will discuss in another video as well when we address safe withdrawal rates. Yeah, brilliant. And um, we'll just touch on that very quickly now, which is the, the 4% rule. So at a very high level, do you think it carries any value when it comes to retirement planning? So the 4% rule d depends on who you ask today. And it's not that there's a right or a wrong answer. The 4% rule, I think, is based on a very good reasoning and a very good methodology on how to, how to sort of um, approach your decumulation phase of retirement. But there's a few things about the 4% rule that doesn't necessarily carry a lot of value. One is 
4% is an absolute number that was designed in one specific scenario. So, um, and that scenario was US bonds, US equities, a 50-50 split. It sort of, it didn't look at other scenarios. It only looks at the worst case scenario, i.e. Mrs. Un Un unlucky scenario. It doesn't consider, let's say, the 19th, 90th percentile, something that's not very likely, but more likely than the worst case scenario. And as I said, it's, it's, it, it doesn't allow for a lot of flexibility because what the 4% rule basically is said is you can take 4% of your capital base when you retire in year one. And then you increase that withdrawal that you have taken in year one by inflation every single year. So that's basically what the 4% rule said. The 4% rule doesn't mean I can take 4% of my retirement savings every single year. At, one, at some point, 4% is not going to be enough. It's just with regards to the first year. And then also we've seen Mrs. Lucky, also not a very great scenario. It was it was a, a time during world wars. You can imagine it's not a great scenario, but still she managed to grow her capital base. Now, what if that happens? Would you Do you want to leave money on the table or would you rather like to enhance your, 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 your standard of living? Or what if the worst case scenario, we've actually, what if we actually experience a scenario even worse than the worst case scenario? So are we going to just accept that we're going to run out of capital or are we actually going to trim down on our withdrawals? And that's the thing about the 4% uh, rule. It doesn't allow for flexibility. It's quite a rigid approach, but it is based on a very good reasoning. And that is how you are assimilating the way that you are approaching um, decumulation. And we will touch on this as well in another video with um, safe withdrawal rates. Yeah, it's brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, if you'd like to see that video, then you can spot the link in the description below this video. But that's it uh, on sequencing risks. Thank you, Laurentius and Timeline. Uh, you can keep the conversation going on the Big Tent and we'll see you again in another video. Goodbye. Thanks, Richard. Goodbye, guys.